The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, 
the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia, I have a powerful, a powerful message for you today, but also encouraging and terrifying. We have become so accustomed in America to pretty much doing what we'd like to do. And so we add to our life whatever we choose, whether it's Starbucks or Wegmans or our favorite gym. And we add in relationships and friendships. We add in church. We add in some of you, the sports, the professional sports. You spend hours sitting on your couch, growing fat, eating every unhealthy kind of thing while you drink in with your eyes every kind of wicked thing. And there's an attitude that says we can do what we want to do. So this is going to be a bit of a a challenge to you today. We're going to go back and review quickly Genesis, the first chapter. And then I want to show you that Jesus came again the second time. And then I'm going to say to you, Jesus will come a third time. Now, usually we don't think of Jesus coming in Genesis 1 as the first coming. But in reality, that's exactly what it was. Let's look at these comings. You need to know that always it is God who initiates. So let's pray as we begin. Mighty God of heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you, please, take the blinders from our eyes and let us see clearly what you would say to our hearts today. And Lord, would you cause your Holy Spirit to create a hungry response to say, I must enter in. Lord, break the illusions of this wickedness that we have taken upon ourselves and create in us a new heart. Lord, I pray in your mighty name, hover over us today and we will praise and worship you, Jesus. Amen. In Genesis, the first chapter, it begins, In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, Pastor Ray. Not in the beginning, Bob, or Steve, or Mary. God was the one who started this whole thing. In the beginning, God. He came as the creator God for the heavens and the earth. Now, I don't know if a, a span of time existed between God coming the first time and creating the earth and then 
the seven-day creation that we find beginning in verse 3. But one thing is certain. When God came to create the earth, that is the seven-day creation, he found the earth formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So when God came, he found darkness, emptiness. The ancient Hebrews believed that darkness, formlessness, emptiness meant total confusion and lack of the presence of God. The ancient peoples, the Greeks, for example, believed that the raging ocean was a place of demonic presence. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So when Jesus, or when, as it says here, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was filled with a demonic presence. It was filled with confusion, formlessness, empty. Darkness was over the face of the earth. But the Spirit of God came and began to hover over that darkness. And as he came and began to hover over that darkness, he spoke a clear command let there be light. And the light pierced the darkness and drove the darkness back. And there was light, and God saw that this light was good. So God stands in opposition to the darkness because God is light. So when we think about this, there was no sun or moon or stars. He hadn't created them yet. There was darkness. And the first thing he did was bring his light into that darkness and separate the light from the darkness. Now, in our culture, we have tried to bring the darkness and the light Together, We have tried to mix light and darkness in our churches and in our beliefs. How many times people say to me, Pastor, I can't walk clean before God. I'm always going to be a sinner. I'm always going to be committing sin against God. They are mixing light and darkness. You cannot mix light and darkness they simply don't come together. The light casts out the darkness, always. Then as we find in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then chapter 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. 
And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God created, as the mystic Abraham Heschel, this wonderful Jewish writer, he's now passed on. But he wrote a book where he described God in opposition to man. If men had finished a great creation, they would have put a plaque. They would have raised a monument. But God didn't do that. God built a cathedral in time, and he called it Sabbath. He called it ceasing from your own works. And later, when you go into Hebrews, the third and fourth chapter, it's very clear that the Christian enters into the Sabbath day, seven days a week. The Sabbath found in the heart of the Decalogue is literally that place where the Christian comes and enters into the presence of God and does not leave it. Now, in the Old Covenant, it was one day out of seven. But in the New Covenant, it is seven days a week. It is perpetually dwelling with Jesus in Jesus. Now, when we come to the third chapter of Genesis, we find the serpent, the dragon, is more crafty than any of the wild animals, and he begins to dialogue with the woman. He says, in verse, it's in verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He's using irony, the literary device. Things are not what they seem. That's always the devil's favorite literary device. He's very simple-minded in this. He wants to sow questions in our minds about whether he's who he says he is and whether he has the power he says he has. The woman answers, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And the devil answers, you will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, the man and his wife can hear the sound of the Lord God as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's when he would come and walk with them. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I like the ESV translation better. 
In the ESV, it says, see if I can find it quickly for you. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now let's go back. Keep your hand or your finger if you're following in the scriptures. Go back with me to the first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was literally the presence of God coming. And in that beautiful presence of God, the Holy Spirit was present and he was hovering over the darkness. And in that darkness, he said, let there be light. And the light was separated from the darkness. Now suddenly what we have is Adam and Eve have decided to leave the light. They have decided to leave the presence of God and go into the darkness. Remember, light and darkness have been separated. Now, please, I'm going to speak to you about spiritual truths. Lord, I pray that these spiritual truths I speak can be heard and understood and apprehended by your children today. Lord, help us to be able to cross from the physical realm into the spirit realm, that these truths can take root in my brothers' and sisters' hearts. Lord, thank you. Give me words, almighty God, that my brothers and sisters could see the true situation and could be brought fully into the light and delivered from the devil's deception. In the name of Jesus, amen. I have to keep praying because I feel so inadequate to try to express these spiritual truths to you. They are so precious to my heart. Adam and Eve have now left the presence of God. They have hidden from him. They are absent from him, and they have entered into the darkness. They are now no longer children of God. They are children of the devil, and the wrath of God rests upon them, and they will die. Now, please, I'm going to carefully unfold this for you, but understand Every boy and every girl born into this world, even born into Christian families, are children of the devil. They are not children of God. Parents can dedicate them to Jesus. That does not mean that they are children of God. There must be a new birth in the heart of that boy or girl. It happens at many different places and stages. My new birth took place when I was five years of age. Now, I was not baptized then, but the new birth took place then as I wept over my sin. 
and as I asked Jesus to rule over my life, and he called me at that point to become a pastor. I left at age five, being a child of the devil, and entered into Jesus Christ. Some do not leave the devil's camp of darkness until much, much, much later in their lives. Some of you listening have still not left the devil's camp. You still are walking in the darkness. The test is whether you are continuing to walk in rebellion against God. If you are still walking in your flesh in rebellion against God, you have not come out of the darkness into the light and glory of Jesus. You may call yourself a Christian, but it's not what you say that matters as much as what you do. It's what you do. Whether you have entered fully into Jesus and then enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit. So let's come back now and let's look carefully at Genesis, the third chapter. God is calling, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now I want you to see something very plain and very simple. God called to the man. He did not call to the man and the woman. God is holding the man responsible for what happens in the marriage. Almost every time there is difficulty between a man and a woman in a marriage setting, the problem lies with the man. Oh yes, women can make a mess. They can be very destructive, but God comes first to the man. And he says, where are you? And that word you is in the singular in the Hebrew, meaning the woman is not being included at this point. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. It's not they answered, it's he answered. I was naked, so I hid. So fear and shame are now ruling his life. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Again, two singular yous. Have you eaten another singular you from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me. In other words, it's your fault, God, because you gave me this woman and she was the one who did it. She gave me some fruit from the tree. I ate it. Wasn't the woman's fault. Why didn't he put his arms around her and say, honey, let's get away from here. This serpent is trying to deceive us. But he didn't do that. He did not stand as a man responsible before God. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So now this wonderful promise of God is given to them in verse 15. I will put enmity or hatred between you and the woman. In other words, they are now the children of the devil. Please hear me. All human beings 
are children of the devil, regardless of how nice they are, how smart they are, how accomplished they are. They are children of the devil. That's what the scripture teaches until they enter into the light of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God remains on all men. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. In other words, I'm going to put a small space of hatred that you can begin to ask me for, and I will begin to reveal to you the reality of your heart condition, and I will deliver you. There are those who say, that you cannot confess unless God comes and you're the special chosen one and you confess. That's not what it says. For God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, we all were given that small opening. There are no favorites on God's part. It is a universal outpouring of grace We can choose to receive it or not to receive it. We can choose to not have enmity against the serpent. Or we can choose to have enmity because God has granted to us the right of repentance. In Matthew, it says that when Jesus went out, he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. That is, the divine authority is very close. Come under that divine authority. He's calling men and women out of darkness into the light. And the door into the light is enmity against the devil. Enmity against the darkness. Where we say, I'm finished with the darkness. I'm out of here. I am entering into the light. I'm entering into Jesus Christ. I'm not going to walk in this darkness. Now, when we look, there is a curse, and that curse is not broken until we leave the darkness and enter into the light by the blood of Jesus Christ. All of the sins of the Old Testament were left unforgiven. They were declared righteous. There was a blood covering from the animals, but animal sacrifices could not release them from their sin. They had to look forward to the cross of Jesus and stand by faith that they would be forgiven. And at the cross, all of their sins were forgiven. Again, the promise in verse 21 The Lord God made garments of sin for Adam and his wife and clothed them, looking forward to being clothed in the garments of Jesus Christ. Now, please go with me to the New Testament, and I want to show you this incredible and glorious truth that will set your feet to dancing and your heart to pounding. John, the first chapter. In the beginning, what was Genesis 1? In the beginning, God. Now, in the beginning was the Word. Logos comes from the Greek. It means the creative 
power behind anything that is made, anything that is created. Once you have a concept of what a chair is, you can create many different kinds of chairs. It's called chairness. You can create a straight back, an easy boy. They all have the same principle. All of creation had a creative person, intelligent, creative person that was behind the creation. Now watch. And the word was with God. And the word was God. In other words, this logos was the creative power in Genesis 1 that came to separate the darkness from the light. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John is saying to us, look, this creative concept, this creative power that created everything we see, the one who came and said, let there be light, that God was Jesus Christ. So Jesus came in the beginning and said, let there be light, to separate the light from the darkness. And then Adam and Eve, listening to the devil, became children of the devil. They left the presence of God. They entered into the darkness. They birthed sons, one of whom became a murderer. They birthed many children, and their children birthed more children, until finally, after a long period of time, the earth became so utterly corrupt, violence was constant, they were playing with DNA. It says the Nephilim was on the earth as angelic beings that were utterly wicked came and lay with, with the women of Adam's race and produced offspring called Nephilim. The earth was filled with darkness. And the Lord said he was grieved that he had made man. One man found favor, he and his family, called Noah, Shem, Hem, and Japheth, and the wives. They built an ark. It had no rudder, had no power of propulsion. It wasn't a ship, it was an ark. And they were told to bring the animals into that ark, and they were told to enter themselves into that ark. And they did so. And all of humanity, everything that breathed on the face of the earth, died. Then we find, as soon as this takes place, and men begin once more to have children, and people began to come and spread out, the ziggurat was built, Shinar, and Babylon was established. And God came down and said, Now I'm not going to let men do this again. 
I'm going to confuse their language. God was trying to block darkness from enveloping the earth once again. The sad news is that today, violence and darkness once more consume the earth. And scientists are cloning breathing beings. Sheep, Dolly was the first that we knew about. And now they're claiming they can clone human beings. And now they're playing with DNA. And violence fills the earth. Beheadings and lying and cheating and stealing and sexual immorality. Every kind of wickedness is flooding into the, into the United States that was a Christian nation. The darkness is now taking over the earth once again. It says in John, the first chapter, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Do you understand? Jesus once more came and hovered over the hearts of men and women to separate them from the darkness and bring them into the light. Jesus is still doing this work today. He wants to come into your life. He wants to separate the sin, the darkness from your heart, utterly destroy and dispel it, and he wants to come in with the fullness of his light. He wants to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of evil, into the kingdom of light. Now, these are spiritual truths that must be apprehended spiritually, but they work themselves out into the physical realm in what we do and say and how we operate. Listen, there came a man, there came a man who was sent from God. The light is shining in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came, he was the light entering the world, and he had a person who announced it, John the Baptist. And it says, he was in the world, Through though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. They were so filled with darkness, they could not recognize the light. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That is, they did not leave the kingdom of darkness. They would not leave being children of the devil. They insisted on remaining in darkness. That is a choice and a decision that every man and woman is faced with. Will you leave the kingdom of darkness and enter the kingdom of light? And many of you try to stay in the twilight zone, and there is no twilight zone. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. What determines that is by whether or not you've been born from above. Verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. He gave the right 
to become children of God. Now you notice they've not yet become children of God. They're still children of darkness. But he has now granted them, those who will believe that he is the light, he is granting them the privilege of coming into the light. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. He is giving people who recognize the light, but who still are in the darkness, who are still children of the devil. He is now giving them the right. He's giving them the privilege. To all men, he's giving the privilege of being born from above, not of natural descent, not of human decision or husband's will. In other words, nobody else can make that decision for you. This is something you must decide for yourself. Verse 14. The Word became flesh. God himself, the creator God of heaven and earth, came in the flesh as the light to separate light from darkness as the Holy Spirit comes and hovers over in order to bring forth a new birth. Now, many of you have the illusion that you can simply say, I'll accept Jesus, and that then I'm born again. No, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Jesus said you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross or your instrument of execution, and you must be crucified. Being born from above requires you to make a decision to leave the darkness and enter the light. And the only avenue by which you can enter the light is called to be born again or born from above. That's the only way by which you can leave. It's not an intellectual decision that says, okay, I'll accept Jesus. It's not understanding the gospel. It is a supernatural work of God that he must do in your heart to extract you from being a child of the devil and making you a child of the light of Jesus Christ. He is the light. He said, remember, I am the light of the world. So there is, there's only two positions. I am a child of the devil, or I am a child of Jesus Christ. And the only way you can transition from being a child of the devil to being a child of Jesus Christ is what is called in Scripture crucifixion or a new birth. Now, from what I've said to you, I pray that it's very apparent that this is going to require some very careful study on your part in reading the scriptures, particularly 1 John, John 1 and also 1 John, and that it's going to require a denial of yourself. You're going to have to turn the television off. You're going to have to turn the, the football off. You're going to have to say no to the Super Bowl. 
you're going to have to turn off everything of wickedness and darkness. If you don't, you will remain a child of the devil. Now, I know that's not a very popular thing to say, but I've not come here to be liked. I've come here to speak the truth in honesty to you about your eternal salvation. And believe me, if you will listen to the word I'm sharing from the scriptures, you will enter into the glorious place of Jesus Christ, and you will be eternally grateful that the Holy Spirit came and hovered over your heart and brought you through the new birth process and made you a child of Jesus Christ. It's the most glorious and wonderful thing that could ever happen to a human being. There's nothing that can compare to being brought out of the devil's presence into the full presence of Jesus Christ. It is such a glorious, it's such a glorious truth. I don't know how I could live if I were not in the presence of Jesus. I would die. And the greatest joy of my life is to help you make that transition from being a child of the devil to being a child of Jesus Christ and helping you then to enter into the school of the Holy Spirit where you can begin to walk with Jesus day by day under his discipline. But please be very clear about this, that if you're still walking in sin, if you're still walking in rebellion against Jesus, you need to be born from above. You need to be born from above. And today's the day. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and begin to hover over your life. Ask Him to come and begin to show you the fullness of the darkness that you inhabit. Ask Him to begin the process of giving you a new birth. One dear woman, some years ago, listened to the broadcast and came to the National Prayer Chapel. And I was preaching on being born again, and she said to me very angrily after the message, Pastor, don't tell me I'm not born again. I'm saved. I'm a mature Christian. And oh, she raked me over the coals. I very quietly said to her, My dear sister, do you see your attitude of anger and bitterness? That tells me you haven't yet been born from above. And she stomped off and left the National Prayer Chapel. And sometime after that, she passed. I don't know where she went. Jesus is our judge. I'm not the judge. But my heart broke for her because she was a very precious woman. But she refused to let Jesus transfer her from the kingdom of darkness into the light. It says he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world, the world did not recognize him. He came to those who were his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
please understand, believing in Jesus is not the same as being born from above. We were given in Genesis 3.15 the right to believe in Jesus, to have hatred toward the darkness. That does not mean we are out of the darkness. Our behavior, if it does not reflect and begin to show forth the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, if the fruit of the Spirit is not evident, it's apparent that we have not yet been born again or from above. We simply have the right, the option to be born again. It says, Then the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testified concerning Him, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because He was before me. You know, in the physical body, John the Baptist was older than Jesus. But John the Baptist confesses that Jesus was pre-existent. That Jesus is God. Now, notice what he continues to say. John, the next day in verse 29, sees Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Look! the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the scripture come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. And he is the one who will bring the Holy Spirit who will hover over the darkness and separate in your life the light from the darkness and the process he uses to separate the light from the darkness is called new birth. It's called new birth. Now we're almost out of time today. I'm going to open the phone lines just very quickly. If there's uh, one or two people who would like to respond, either asking a question or asking for prayer, our phone number is 877 5340780. 5- 877-534-0780. I also want to tell you we're coming to the end of the month and we are still more than $2,000 short as we come to the end of the month.
I would ask that you would seriously pray about and ask Jesus what your part should be in paying for this radio broadcast. This is not listener-sponsored radio. This is Jesus-sponsored radio. And he moves in the hearts of his people to give. That's why we've been on for so long. I don't do fundraising. I do an offering. Just like you do if you go to church. You pass an offering plate. The offering plate that I pass is my address. And you can send your gift, your tithes, your generous contribution to keep this broadcast on the air for yourself and for others. We are at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you would simply make your check out to the National Prayer Chapel and Market Radio or Pilgrim's Progress, it will go to the right account. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to come and worship with us at the National Prayer Chapel. We meet on Sunday at 12 noon. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. And that church, a wonderful family church who has been very kind to the National Prayer Chapel, as well as the Emmanuel Anglican Church has been very kind. They're, they're precious brothers and sisters. The All Saints Anglican Church where we rent is located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Again, that address, the All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Try to put them on quickly. We have a caller they're going to try to put through, but they're having some technical problems. Hello, can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? It looks like we're not going to get that caller on. In the meantime, I invite you also to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Share that with others also, nationalprayerchapel.com. Several of the brothers have been working many hours, cleaning it all up, putting lots and lots of broadcasts up. It's like a fire hose of gospel. So go check it out. You'll also find there the address and how to reach us. Now in the short time left, I'm going to pray with you. Almighty God, we so desperately need your Holy Spirit to come and hover over us. So many have not finished the work of being born again, but have shortened it and become cultural Christians. Almighty God. Cotton candy Christians. 
walking in the love of the things of this world, not turning away but still calling themselves Christian. Lord, I plead now for the Holy Spirit to come and hover over every family listening. I pray, Lord, that you will transition, brothers and sisters, today from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I ask that a deep, somber joy would begin to be felt and known as men and women turn to you and begin to seek you with all of their heart, that they could be born from above, not in religion, but in the true faith, the historic faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know today you are still separating darkness and light if we will but let you have the freedom to divide our hearts and bring us into that new birthplace. Lord, I praise your name today and I worship you. Thank you. We're going to continue with this study, dealing specifically with what it means to be born from above. I pray you'll listen and ask a friend. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining me today. I pray your heart is encouraged to seek after Jesus and finish this work of being born from above. I love you, my brother, my sister. God bless you. Before the presence of his glory